Lord Have Mercy is brought to you by The Sorting Chat, a newish podcast where three women talk minutiae related to Harry Potter, drink, and laugh alongside occasional guest stars. Like any true lover would, they take J.K. Rowling's source material too seriously, but not so seriously that they can't make fun of themselves for it. They post on the first Thursday of each month, and sometimes more. Visit thesortingchat.com. Lord of Mercy is a podcast about God, sex, and the Bible. I'm your host, Crystal Cheatham, and today we have Tuhina Rash and Jason Chestnut, and these guys are cool as shit. Uh, they are two Lutheran pastors who have a surprisingly awesome take on the Advent season. Today they share their stories and talk about why they decided to name their Advent devotional series, which is available on Medium, hashtag shut the hell up. I know. Um, I think you'll enjoy the convo as much as I enjoyed hanging out with these two because they truly are dope AF. And now, uh, let's start the show. And so you guys are on a, a bit of a crusade to to do the damn thing. And from what I can tell on the internet is that you're actually doing it. You are part of the Salt Collective. You are part of um, the Sojourner. You guys are doing the Shut the Hell Up and... What's the other one? Fuck this shit. <laughs> Fuck this shit. Oh my goodness. That was, that was that was the first year, Crystal. So we. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It feels it feels it feels quiet to you know this year. So I, I you know, it's I was actually really scared language. that you were going to say that. I was scared that you were going to say that because it's like, I just feel like it, either it's going to be quiet or we're in the eye of a hurricane. Mm. And so I'm just kind of like. Yep, I'm gonna grow my loins. No, no, it's it's good. It's a good call. It's a good call. I mean, we're still pissing people off. It's so just, wait, like, tell me it's... how it tell me how it started, and and what and tell me what you were expecting between last year and this year. God, Tuhina is our resident storyteller. Um, even though you're part of the network of biblical storytellers, <laughs> I don't know. I only tell Bible stories, though. You tell you tell real stories. No, real. Sorry, that was bad. You tell. <laughs> You tell secular midrashes, uh, midrashim, midrashim. I just learned that was the uh, plural of midrash, midrashim. Like, of course it is. Um, I love Hebrew. It goes with my last name. Yeah. You guys are such Bible nerds. It's crazy. We are. We are. (laughs) We, we are. Yeah. Tuhina is a storyteller of all different kinds of stories. I learn Bible stories by heart, and then I tell them. Mm. Uh, so it's a little bit, it's a little bit different. Hmm. My, my, mine are a little bit less. My, uh, the Bible stories don't have any swear words in them, unfortunately. You know what? Both of, both of you. Depending on translations. Yeah, it's, it's true. No, it's true. It's another truth. Well, both of you guys are quite amazing writers, and I have been having a great time figuring out how to um, transpose and put what you have put out on Medium and the Internet onto our Bible app as devotionals. Um, and, but I am having a great time reading your work and I am being transformed. And I'm like, this Lutheran denominational shit is actually pretty cool. Um, Cause it's not so far away from Adventism because we're also Bible nerds. Like we we're so nerdy with the Bible, um, but they also have a problem 
separating, um, actually like in, including the passion with the Christianity and not just the rules, the rule-based bullshit, which is one of the reasons why I couldn't continue to be a Seventh-day Adventist, Adventist, even though the majority of my family is SDA, was because it felt like just like like we were a shell of uh, what we were trying to be. And in the past, I've described it as like the an exoskeleton and, you know, where's the life, where's the vibrancy? That's like the spirituality and the faith. And, you know, to steal from another denomination that God is still speaking to us. And so we have to keep the, theologizing our experiences. And I mean, that's the kind of Christian that I want to be. And it's really hard to find that faith, to find the kind of faith where, like you guys, where you can say swear words and know that it's not impacting your eternal soul, you know? So what you're, I can't, I can, I can continue to praise the work that you're doing, but I do want to know the story of when it started. Yeah. Well, these bones live. Mm. Mm. God picked me up and put me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. Okay. Keep going. Okay. Sorry. Um, so this, this all started on Facebook. <laughs> Social media is really a large part of your relationship, huh? Yeah, I think, um, well, I mean, like, we met, we met face-to-face um, last March in New York. Um, Jason was our, our token dude um, at the Commission on the Status of Women at the United Nations for the Lutheran World Federation delegation. I think that's a mouthful, right? I think I was there yeah. at the UN. Sweet. For like, yeah. Uh, but I, last yeah. year. Yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. so are we. So cool. That's great. <laughs> um, and this is, so this is part of the story of fuck this shit and part of Jason's and my relationship. Um, and so when we were in New York, um, it's when there were uprisings taking place in Chicago uh, because of a Trump rally. Yeah, I remember that. And I thought, we've got clergy here, we've got laity here, we are a mile from Trump Tower. We should go sing, we should go protest, um, we should make a stand. And I put this out on the the WhatsApp chat group, and and one other person joined me. And, uh, And I was just kind of like, well, where two or three are gathered, Jesus is there. Amen, amen. So we marched over to Trump Tower. We sang a hymn, we prayed over the space, and and Jason was coming back from Brooklyn. And um, you met us there, and it was just empty on the sidewalks. Um, And Jason said he was going to go back to the hotel. Uh, Jen and I said that we were going to sing and pray. And that was it. Um... And then I told our group that, like, I was kind of like, where were y'all at? What was going on? And then Jason was like, what do you need? I'm like, I need a gin and tonic. <laughs> and I was, I was actually kidding that I needed a gin and tonic. But when I get back to the hotel, guess what? Gin and do tonic. Tell. That's what's up. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I had to go to two different stores, like, three different stores to get all that stuff. What a sweetheart. Um, I mean, so, Manhattan. it was not hard, but it was just sort of like you go to one place and they don't have the right tonic. 
you go to their place, they don't have any gin, like what the hell's going on? And then I but then imagine. I just, yeah. But then I discovered that Jason loved, I mean, like, granted, as, as somebody of Indian descent, for me to adore such a colonial drink, I do feel shame behind this, <laughs> but I'm going to drink it in. Um, mm, mm, mm. But then I realized that we actually have, like, this really snooty love of gin and tonic. Um, I, I, have, I also have a snooty love for a certain spirit, but... What's the spirit? I love bourbon. I love bourbon mm, so amen. much. I am well, a cowboy, I, just saying. I already know that we're on the same page, Crystal. You call it a spirit and not a liquor. <laughs> um, that's awesome. Um, we had some drinks. We bonded. bonded. Um, and then we saw each other again in New Orleans in August at our National Church Assembly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there was a situation where I had put myself out in a very vulnerable, precarious position at churchwide assembly and um and then you could hear crickets and i was terrified like i was actually standing up at the mic in front of like 900 people like what the fuck have i done you're also on you're also on a live stream for another several thousand wait so what what did you say like the cliff notes what happened you can't leave us hanging like that. Had a- I called. I called our denomination to task of wanting to be a diverse body, but hiding our history about how we're not, and mm-hmm. trying to erase that history. Yeah. And um, nobody was willing to like clamor on board with that. Um. Well, it kind of like there were. It was like crickets. It was like legit crickets. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, and I'm my face is on the jumbotron, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah this is really bad. Mm-hmm. And so I look at Jason and it just, it like, you know, that movie, like there's a movie sequence where like, it feels like the hallway gets longer and longer and longer. Yeah. Like that's what it felt like. And I was just trying to like gesture, like trying to like communicate with like my eyes as big as saucers, like go to the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, did you get her wavelengths? Yes. Yeah, so I just, I just, uh, so I walked up there to, to, I don't know. I just I, I called our church white supremacist. I guess. Um, Whoa! So you, you guys did this together. <laughs> Go on. And, Sorry. Um, now it's good. Yeah, I mean, I just call. I, I just think like uh, you know, white supremacy and racism is a uh, it's a white person's problem. It's white people's problem. Um, we like to, especially liberal progressive ones. We like to pass it off on to people of color, and it's it's our work that we have to do. So. Um, so yeah, so that's what I said. Um, and it was also just kind of to give so that Tuhina wasn't up there alone and that her words didn't just kind of echo out into nothing. Um, that's when I was just kind of like, shit, this is for the sake of the church. We're stuck with one another, whether you like it or not. Were there any pitchforks? Did you guys get I think, hung in I quarter? think... T- <laughs> I think Tuhin and I have, um, you know, we've angered certain people, different people in the church. And of course, it's another aspect of racism that Tuhina gets it in a much different way than I do. Yeah. Um, so I get it more in a passive aggressive kind of way. And I hear things from different sources. Um, Tuhina has had a different story and, and had to, you know, well, that's your story, Tuhina. But, like, Tuhina's had to do 
and go through different things. Um, and now we're both kind of on the edges of the church trying to, I don't know, call it to something better. Yeah. Is that fair, Tarina? I didn't yeah. to speak for you. Well, no, I think that's fair because I think this this is work that can't be done alone. And I think, you know, when I saw that you were willing to put yourself out there for the sake of the church um, right after I spoke and was in one of the worst positions I ever felt like I had been in in my ministry, hmm. um, that's when I just realized like there was a level, there was a level of trust that I felt that I could have with Jason. Yeah, you don't have, I mean, with fuck this shit and everything that came out of that, um, you don't have people say things like, I thought more about God and my relationship with God in the last 20 days than I have in the last 20 years. You don't, you don't hear that stuff from Advent devotionals, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think, I think, I mean, I think we've really struck a nerve in some ways. And, and um, for all the shit that came from fuck this shit, there was a lot of, there was tons of subscribers to our medium channel. There were people asking constantly for us to do it again. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that, that says a lot. I mean, you know, it's like, um, I don't know. I think sometimes we're, people think, people think, I think people think that Tuhina and I are trying to do this, like to swear for, like to, to, to swear for swearing sake or to try to be cool. And like, fuck man, we're just trying to be biblical. We're just trying to be faithful. And like, yeah. I remember us trying to talk ourselves out of this. Like we talked, yeah, totally. about the, we talked about the risks that were involved in doing this. We knew that we would be risking like the stability of our calls um, and the stability of our positions as ordained ministers within our church. Um, but we just felt that this was a call that we could not turn away from. And that is so biblical. Huh. Yeah, I love your tagline. Mm, Jesus. So, um, Go ahead, Crystal, so sorry. Uh, it, what do you call it? What what's the tagline of visceral language for a visceral gospel? Gospel. Mm -hmm. mm. It also reminds me of that verse, um, let your yes be yes and your no be no, um, mm. which is, which to I mean, like when I was a kid, my father sold it as, you know, don't use swear words. But now as an adult, what I hear is, say what you mean, don't sugarcoat yeah. it, Yeah, you know? And as someone who studied literature, I was an English major my entire life. I even have a master's in English, it's probably a bad idea, but there you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is that language is so important, you know? And when you are, when you're a kid, you swear. You swear all the fucking time and you make up the most creative things. I know I did, maybe this isn't a universal you, but it wasn't until I grew up that I understood that when you, when you drop the f bomb, it should be it has more power when yep. when you use it with intent, you know, yep. versus Absolutely. just like spewing it anywhere. And so when you guys want to use this kind of language to describe your your relationship with what the gospel is doing in your life, like that's that's the gravity that that it hits me with. It's like this is not something you know, that you're just putting out there um, to get attention, to get eyeballs on you, or to do the next cool thing. The way I hear it, and I think that's the way your audience has been able to hear it, is that it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's it's the atomic bomb that we felt when Trump actually became president. Like, that's the weight mm -hmm. of, of what the wake-up call is. 
And I think that's why I wanted you guys to be on the show so much is is because I was I just I don't know. I just it really it really caught me. It really caught me off guard. Mm. Um, mm. How have people been responding to um, shut the hell up versus fuck this shit? Um, well, I mean, I think uh, uh, we had a. We have a phenomenal colleague, um, Prophet, in her own right, who's a seminarian at a Lutheran school um, in Gettysburg, and she suggested shut the hell up. We didn't want to do fuck this shit again mm-hmm. because the sequels all the sequels always suck, right? Unless it's The Godfather Part Two, which did win the Oscar. Yeah, exactly. The but only sequel to have won an Oscar. The only sequel. The only sequel to have been even nominated. I'm pretty sure. Oh, you guys are <laughs> such nerdy people. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 1970- <laughs> by the way anyways uh but we didn't want to do that and so and so tamika her name is tamika yanksevich um and she said well what about shut the hell up because it works on many levels mm-hmm. so i mean i think what we're trying to do is we're trying to say what are the prophets saying specifically in the first testament in the hebrew scriptures i think the prophets you know when they say rend the heaven or rend the heavens tear open the heavens and come down they're saying fuck this shit but then we're also like you know are they saying shut the hell up? And not just in like a way of saying it to those in power and those of privilege, but like to literally, I think their job or one of the things they're called to do, especially like Ezekiel and Amos is to shut up hell, you know, hmm. like in, in some ways, I mean, I wonder if that's what Jesus did. What, what, you know, when we say that, that he died and he went to hell, he went to the dead and then he came back, like, I wonder if that's a part of it too, but, but, so that's kind of a piece of it to Hannah. Does that make sense? It does. And there's a flip side to that too. So what happens when the people who have power and privilege shut the hell up and the people who have been crying out and have been silenced by those in power and privilege have the opportunity to speak? Right. So it's not just, um, it's not just giving voice to the voiceless, which is a nice little progressive liberal thing, which I'm done with. Right. Cause there's no voiceless. There's those whose voices have been systematically ignored or mm-hmm. shut up, right? Yeah. So uh, how do we amplify that? I love that. I love that you guys are doing it do. How are how do you think this is going to affect your general conference? You know, how do you think this is going to affect the core um, and get more brown faces in the pews? I, and I, I wrestle with that because it's like, for me, that's like a, that's a standard of metrics. And I really want to just like, I want to obliterate the metrics. I don't want to have to like, I don't want somebody to have to be a number. I just want them to be who God created them to be. Hmm. Um, and so for that, I think it's like, maybe it might not be in a traditional pew, but if they're establishing a relationship with God and with scripture and with their siblings in Christ, that is what I am for. And it may not be within our denomination, but if they are finding a spiritual community where they are being fed and bathed and being brought to wholeness, then yes, if that is the, if that is what I'm supposed to do as a follower of Christ, then that is what I will do. Hmm. Yeah. And I think, um, it's uh, you know the Re- the Reverend Osadieko Seku in Ferguson talks about he's less interested in how many people of color you have in your pews, especially if it's in more of a 
token kind of sense. Mm-hmm. But he's much more interested in like what blows against what blows are you striking against white supremacy. So I talk to white people a lot about racism and white supremacy, and I think in that way, like I'm I'm interested. Well, I'm definitely interested in amplifying voices and having true diversity because I believe that's what the the reign of God looks like. Um, but I also think it's about getting my people and getting white people to say, like, how are we going to strike against white supremacy? So, like you were saying, Crystal, you know, let your yes be yes, your no be no. I think of the parable in Luke. When Jesus is like, you know, this guy builds up all these, he has, he has uh, barns for all of his stuff, right? Hmm. Um, how prescient. Really, all these, he has barns for stuff. He says, self, how am I going to do all this? How am I going to keep all this stuff? And, and then God says, what the fuck? This very <laughs> night, your life is being demanded of you. Yeah. And so that's how I think about it sometimes. I feel like, I feel like we're in this place in this in this moment and i'm like what the fuck are we arguing about talking about buildings and and pew colors and shit like like this very night our our lives are being demanded of us Hmm. so what are we gonna do you know do you think that either of you could do this great work without the other oh my god no way I mean, I just, I can't imagine doing this kind of work with anybody else. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. Well, the optics are, I don't know. Even, oh, we're all about optics, Crystal. I know. <laughs> I'm just, there's something really comforting um, to just know that there is a group of, of people set out to actually crack that ice which is just white supremacy and evangelicalism in general, you know, it's just in progressive right. Christian or just Christianity in general. It's just, you know, there is so much, uh, disparity, um, in culture and in race and in color. And it is, it warms my heart and it, rhymes, it reminds me of my, um, of my days as a Seventh-day Adventist to see you guys being able to tackle it on both ends, you know, to be able to call out to the brown person and say, look at me, you belong here. You know, there is something here for you. And for <laughs> you as the white dude <laughs> to be able to call to your, out to your white people and be like, yeah, I'm here. You know, I'm here with the brown people. And actually, there's something wrong with you if you're not able to open your heart and, and figure out um, how to move forward as like a collective instead of just um, one group here and one group there. Um, right. Yeah. That, that we're not doing this to be cool or to be hip. This is the, this is the gospel. Yeah. yeah. God, if it were cool or hip, God, I'd do something else. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. You guys are so attached to just being dorky, I know. <laughs> Better not get too successful. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so how how much how many how much more of the shut the hell up uh series do you guys have left christmas eve christmas eve and yeah, then you're silent so. for another year what do you guys do in between yes well then we no. shut the hell up crystal yeah <laughs> you listen 
I don't know. Like last year, uh, we did like a little fuck this shit during Lent, a little yeah. um, Lent, Lent light. Lent mm-hmm. light. Mm-hmm. Sigh. How do you like it so far? Is it good? Well, good. I need to steal you away for a moment to pay the bills. I want to tell you about this new company called Songfinch. And what is Songfinch? Well, it has a lot to do with music. Music is one of the most emotive forms of communication. But when songs are personalized, that power has even greater potential. Songfinch, as it goes, is a personalized gifting company. And it's giving customers, like you and me, the ability to harness that power of music by turning our personal stories and memories and ideas into one-of-a-kind songs from scratch that make for actually pretty incredible gifts. Um, The foundation of Songfinch lies in their diverse, curated community of professional musicians who all share a desire to make make a difference with their music and generate income on their own terms. By leveraging this growing community of over 250 artists, Songfinch is able to offer a line of personalized music products aimed at dozens of gifting occasions. And actually, you can go online to songfinch.com, S-O-N-G-F-I-N-C-H, and use promo code LORDHAVEMERCY at checkout for $20 off your first personalized song. How cool is that? And now, back to the show. We met online when Jason was live tweeting Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and I tweeted back, that's a racist as fuck movie. Um, <laughs> true. Because it, ban- it was banned in India, um, where my family's from, and then we actually, when I was a kid, we actually took my grandparents who were visiting from India to see the movie, and that expresses nothing but, like, love because my brother and I, like, I was three. I had no idea, okay? Mm-hmm. And my brother, who was 10 years old, should have known better, but he didn't because he was 10. So, um, <laughs> Dude, so we, we, all- were, we were all in on it, and, like, the things from the, the 90s are so problematic now, like, so, so mm-hmm. horrible. I, I can't even... Yeah. You, like, oh, I, my yeah. I was yeah. just talking about Netflix, but you get on Netflix and you start watching some of these movies from like the like eight, late eighties and nineties, and you're like, like aghast with how sexist they are and racist and misogynistic, yeah. and it's like, wow, we have come so far, but really we haven't because Donald Trump is our president. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you you tweeted to him, and then what? Well. Then Jason had admitted, had said, like, yeah, it is a racist as fuck movie, and I'm going to tweet about how racist racist it is. And I was like, oh, okay, then we're cool then. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't like, uh, I wasn't doing like monkey brains are amazing live yeah. tweeting sort of thing. Because then I like... would have come through the computer to like, yeah. Well, it's such a nice <laughs> little meat cute. It's adorable. <laughs> you guys are both mm-hmm. Lutheran, right? We're Lutheran. Um, The theology makes my heart sing, but the Lutheran church in the United States is fucking hella white. But what is it about the Lutheran faith that gets you really excited? Um, So I I grew up a Hindu, actually. So completely nowhere like. Yeah, so like I went to Lutheran campus ministry when I was in college because my friend invited me and they had a free meal. 
And in my mind, I was like, this was the Bible Belt of South Carolina. So rural South Carolina on top of it. So in my mind, when she invited me to church, I'm trying to figure out every way to say like, hell no, I am not going to church with you. And she's like, what? but there's a dinner. If anybody gives you shit, you know, I'll deal with it. And I'm like, okay, so you know that I have issues and I'm uncomfortable, but okay. If I have somebody who has my back, I'll go. So I go and I meet with the pastor and the pastor is like, look, I'm not out to convert you. And so like, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Like, I'm not out to change you. I just, you know, just hang with us. We're not, you know, like we could be horrible people, but I don't, you know, they were actually a really good group to be with during my college years. And so it's just, that was my community. That's where my friends were. That's where fellowship was. And that's when I was learning about what fellowship was. Um, and then I met a guy and we were going to get married and we wanted like a really tiny ceremony, like in a courthouse just to get married. But we had really opinionated parents. And so his parents had said, we're not going to tell people you're getting married until you book the church. And I was like, shit, you're Christian. Yeah. Um, what kind are you? And he's like, I'm Lutheran. I'm like, oh my God, I got this. Damn. Um, yeah. Yeah. But he, he stopped going to church in college. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, he was confirmed. He graduated. He didn't have to go anymore. So, um, I call up the campus pastor that we, that I had known from undergrad days. And so he's like, I'm not going to just marry you for the sake of marrying you. Um, if you're going to get married in this community, I want this community to know who you are so they can support you. And I was like, okay, as long as I'm not joining a cult, I'm cool. <laughs> so I sit in the back with my legal pad. That's a low bar Sunday. for Christianity. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so it's I sat in the like, back. Well, it's like bar. right above that. Anyway, you're sitting in the back. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I mean, don't even get my mom started on Hare Krishnas. I mean, that's a whole other, Yeah. So I sit in the back for two years with a legal pad, like writing down all of my observations, all of my questions. And the pastor and I meet once a week for two years. So I can just ask him like any question about like, why do y'all do this in church? Why do you say this in church? Yeah. What the hell is going on? And so he was really like, he answered every question he could to the best of his ability. But then he was also like, you know, I never really noticed we did stuff like this in church mm -hmm. until you told me about it. Yeah. So then, you know, my husband and I, we get married and we keep going to church because it's part of this rhythm in our lives now. And in rural South Carolina, there really wasn't a Hindu community to go to because I wanted that for our lives as well. But we're sitting in church one day and I have an experience with the Holy Spirit where the roof is like going to blow off the church. <laughs> and I like freak the fuck out. Like I am like ugly crying. There's snot everywhere. And I'm looking around and like everybody's fine. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? And the only thing that I can think to explain it was that that was the presence of God. Mm -hmm. And that was the presence of God telling me, like, I love you for who you are and the entirety of who you are. And that scared the shit out of me. Yeah, those moments are definitely scary. I remember it wasn't until my university years, and I'd, I've been in Adventist my entire life. It wasn't until my university years where I was singing on stage with the choir and we had to like sit on the stage when the preacher was speaking and the preacher was speaking and he did this thing and he rarely did did it because the Adventist church isn't like a church that's constantly calling people to the front to you know be baptized 
um, unless they're missionaries, and that's another problematic thing that we're not going to get into. But the preacher had one of those one of those moments, and I started bawling, like bawling, like heart just like split open. And I tried to keep it in because I was on the freaking stage where they're actually like filming this and it's going around worldwide. I didn't want to be one of those freaking people. And I was those one of those people and I couldn't stop. And then the director's wife came down and like touched my shoulders and just like comforted me. And like that was definitely an awakening moment, you know, and those moments are just so rich and it's it it defies yeah. your doubts. It defies your doubts. Yeah. It's mystical almost. Yeah. Well, I grew up a, as a fundamentalist Christian um, in Texas and Oklahoma. Oh, God. And so, How yeah. How did you guys meet? <laughs> <laughs> thank, God for, thank God for Twitter. Um, <laughs> no, and, and, uh, and did I you know how just... brown she was like when you tweeted at her? <laughs> Oh, I, uh, that's, I only, I only tweet to, uh, to brown people and black people really. Um, no, I'm kidding. I also tweet to black people. Um, but like, I, uh, you know, I, I, my kind of mystical, or I, I kind of have a similar experience. And my, my first time in a Lutheran church was in, um, in Namibia and Southern Africa. Um, and, uh, not Nambia. Apparently that's, uh. That's a country that exists. God, please. And so, uh, so Namibia actually exists as a country, and um, and I went to Lutheran church there, and uh, I, had, you know, I'd grown up fundamentalist, and then I had left the faith, um, pretty, just kind of cut ties with it when I when I moved out of the house and went to college, and. Um, and I just went to this church because uh, I did a study. To, I did a, a, a program um, where we stay with families throughout Namibia for uh, and South Africa for about seven months. Yeah. And one of my families I stayed with in Windhoek, in the capital of Namibia, was a Lutheran pastor um, and his family. And so I just went. I went to church because I didn't want to be rude. Yeah. And most of it was in Ovambo, uh, 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 one of the languages of Namibia, and then also Afrikaans, um, and a little bit was in English. Um, but uh, everything was surround everything surrounded the 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 Eucharist, the the communion. Yeah. And at that point, um, there was you know it was probably like seventy five percent full, but at that point it became like standing room only, and then the the line went out the door and down the street. Um, people waiting in line because the minute that communion was done, the table was transformed into a soup kitchen. Um, and so, and it just kind of blew my mind um, that, 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 that worship could be like that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I had grown up with just kind of like, well, listen, we listen to a 45 minute sermon. We feel like shit about ourselves. We try and, uh, beat the devil away and get into heaven. Um, and we dress in our Sunday best to do all this. And so, yeah, so I just kind of started to cry mm. when I saw what the last supper could, could mean. Yeah. And it just blew my mind. So, so yeah, so, um, so I wrote a blog post about it and I said, I'm, 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 I'm Namibian Lutheran. Yeah. Um, 
tongue-in-cheek, obviously, uh, I'm obviously very, very white, but my first experience of Lutheranism was in Southern Africa, um, and so decolonized Lutheranism, uh, Tuhina and I are a part of trying to get Lutheranism out of its very white, Norwegian, um, German understandings of itself. Yeah. And that just always made complete sense to me because I'm like, oh, okay. Because for the first six months of my encounters with Lutherans, they were all black Namibians and South Africans and they spoke Kosa and and Obambo and and uh, so it was just like, oh yeah, that's what a Lutheran is. Oh, I love so when I got that. back when I got back to the great white north, it was kind of a shock, you know? Yeah. Hey guys, before we wrap this up, I just want to drop in a little bit about our Bible app. Um, I just want to say a special thanks to all of those who donated on the campaigns that we had over the summer and have been continuing to donate uh, with each of our asks. It means so much and I hope that you got my card uh, because I just wanted to let you know how much this means to me personally and as well as all the other people who get to enjoy the app once it launches. Um, and for those of you who aren't able to just donate, I want to remind you that it's friggin' Christmas, man. Um, and so I want to encourage each of you to get out there and maybe buy a t-shirt or a hat or a mug for your friends and your lovers um, and family. The t-shirts are Believers of All Stripes. They're stripy, they're cool with a zebra corn. Um, you can each even buy one of our Kinsey. So there are these really cool Kinsey hats that you can buy. Kinsey X, Kinsey 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, or if you're like me, a Kinsey 6. Um, and don't forget the mugs as well. We are trying to launch this side of New Year's, so prayers up and uh, let's say goodbye to our guests. How do people find you? They look to the stars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, what's your what's your hashtag? How do people get in contact oh, with you or follow along? Yeah. So hashtag shut the hell up. Sorry, I like or, I like skipped ahead without actually telling you what I no, was it's doing. Good. Yeah. Or, I thought I thought you were being deeper. So, uh, and I was how like, do people find you? How do I find myself? <laughs> no, we are not doing 2001 A Space Odyssey today. I'm, I did <laughs> not sign up for that. I did not sign up for that. <laughs> yeah, if you if you search the hashtag shut the hell up, um, definitely on Twitter, which is the best place for hashtags. Um, you'll find overwhelmingly it's us. I, I'm tracking the hashtag. There are some like just there's some of it's political, <laughs> like super conservative people who are saying, but then it gives me the opportunity to troll super conservative Christians and others, which is one of my like one of my hobbies. I love it. So that's kind of fun. And then Twitter at and then, TV Rash. Okay. Oh, wait, I should spell that. T-V-R-A-S-C-H-E. <laughs> v yeah. is in Verma. It, it could sound like a B there, dude. V is in Verma. V is in Victor. That's the Indian one. And I'm at, uh, I'm at Crazy Pastor on Twitter. That's hilarious. And that's, that's, kind of the, that's kind of the, that's our major piece. And if you go to medium.com slash fuck this shit, because that's what we put in the last year so it's still there and that so I, I like how the the website is still fuck this shit <laughs> even though we're not using that language anymore it's still there you know it's our right. legacy so that's where all the days come in so we have all these you know we have all these uh, guest artists and 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 musicians and writers and so we put it all there 
How do you find all these um, people? Body of Christ. I mean, I don't, I don't even know. Like today's contributor. I mean, God, I've known Matthew for almost 30 years of my life. We met when we were really young. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, a lot of it, uh, some of it's online stuff. Yeah. You know, Okay. Uh, Matthew, Matthew actually got us out to, uh, to, uh, Portland. And so Tuhina and I were there, uh, in the flesh to talk about fuck this shit last year. That's nice. Or earlier this year. Wow. Earlier this year. Yeah. Yeah. It was February of this year. Yeah. We're at the end. It's, it's December. Um, And we're very specific though, too, about, you know, making sure that the people who are the featured, because everybody, you know, there are people who are into it, so they're writing for their own stuff, and I'm tracking that, and we're retweeting that. But like our featured artists, um, we're calling on people from marginalized communities overwhelmingly, so that that that's the that's the sense of the. Uh, Those are the voices you're lifting up. Yeah. Right, right. So it's like we're not a progressive conference that calls nine white people and a Korean dude, yeah. and we're like, look at how diverse we are. You know. Well, here's the thing. I really, I really believe that um our side of the aisle those of us who are progressive and um are actually fighting for more inclusiveness in the christian faith um we have the power we have so much power right now but we're not as united as those um on the right who are hella conservative and don't want to let go of the beliefs that they've had and their parents have had and their grandparents have had Um, and so I, I really do believe that we can come together and that we can lift each other up in a way where our voices and the way that we live Christianity it far outshines and the other side, you know? And so what I hope to do with our Bible app is continue to also lift up great, you know, voices like yours and those who are writing for you. Um, and give them, you know, an international platform, not just, you know, here in the U.S. or in Colorado or in mm-hmm. Lutheran faith. Oh, amen. I'm excited about the app a lot. Yes. Yeah, man. Yes. Fingers crossed. It has to come out. It has to come out. Ugh. I'm going to, I'm actually, I was actually going to uh, offer up, uh, I was looking at the video parts too. I've been doing this series on white Jesus and Dope. trying to get us beyond that overwhelming white European mode of Jesus. Uh, so that's been a video series I've been doing, but I, I'm interested to work more with, with you and, and with yeah. that. Is that on YouTube? Could I check it out? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. If you go to, uh, Tuhin, anything else for you? You want to throw out there? Um, I don't know. It's like, I've been, so I do have articles with Inheritance Magazine. It's an Asian American Christian magazine. It actually started as a ministry at a church to unite first and second generation Asian Asian Americans to connect with one another mm-hmm. because there there is a generational gap with immigrant with immigrant mm-hmm. families. Um, and so it's really this beautiful mode of how to tell stories in our communities. And so you know, there's a there are some amazing writers on Inheritance. Um, shit. I mean, I am (laughs) (laughs) like you, like you, I'm trying. I I just humble bragged. Shit. (laughs) Like myself. It was good. I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, so that like writing for platforms like Inheritance, writing for platforms like the Salt Collective, like there's some amazing stuff coming out of the Salt Collective. Yeah, there is. Oh, yeah. Okay. Nope. We'll keep that too. That's the show. Thanks for listening in, and I'll see you in a week. Okay, bye. <laughs>